Today's reading takes us to the end of Genesis, beginning at verse 33 of chapter 49. Genesis began with the creation in Eden and ends with a coffin in Egypt. But as we will see, there is such hope and faith in that coffin. When Jacob had finished giving instructions to his sons, he drew his feet up into the bed, breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Joseph threw himself upon his father and wept over him and kissed him. Then Joseph directed the physicians in his service to embalm his father, Israel. So the physicians embalmed him, taking the full 40 days. And the Egyptians mourned for him 70 days. When the days of mourning had passed, Joseph said to Pharaoh's court, If I have found favour in your eyes, speak to Pharaoh for me. Tell him, my father made me swear an oath and said, I'm about to die. Bury me in the tomb I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. Now let me go up and bury my father, then I will return. Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father, as he made you swear to do. So Joseph went up to bury his father. All Pharaoh's officials accompanied him, the dignitaries of his court and all the dignitaries of Egypt, besides all the members of Joseph's household, and his brothers and those belonging to his father's household. Only their children and their flocks and herds were left in Goshen. Chariots and horsemen also went up with him. It was a very large company. When they reached the threshing floor of Atad near the Jordan, they lamented loudly and bitterly. And there Joseph observed a seven-day period of mourning for his father. When the Canaanites who lived there saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Atad, they said, The Egyptians are holding a solemn ceremony of mourning. That is why that place near the Jordan is called Abel Mizraim. So Jacob's sons did as he commanded them. They carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre, which Abraham had bought as a burial place from Ephron the Hittite, along with the field. After burying his father, Joseph returned to Egypt, together with his brothers and all the others who had gone with him to bury his father. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died, this is what you're to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph stayed in Egypt along with all his father's family. He lived 110 years and saw the third generation of Ephraim's children. Also the children of Machiah, son of Manasseh, were placed at birth on Joseph's knees. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up from this place. 
So Joseph died at the age of 110, and after they'd embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. What an exit Jacob has. But in reality, beneath the pomp, this is the final powerful pilgrimage of the patriarch. For earlier, God had called Abraham to go to Canaan, making covenantal promises to him, which he repeated many times, and then to Isaac and to Jacob, that he would be their God, and from them multitudes of descendants would come, and that through their family all peoples on the earth would be blessed. Indivisible from these promises was another, that Canaan would be an everlasting possession for him and his descendants. Yet when Abraham dies, all that his family owns is a burial cave in Hebron, which is still there today. As Jacob nears the end of his life, only a small plot of land in Shechem has been added to the property portfolio in the last 130 years, and the descendants number just 70. Many would scoff at the present fulfilment of God's promises, but to Jacob that tiny cave is a tangible symbol of God's promise to give the whole land to Abraham's descendants, and in his final act of faith he makes first Joseph and then his other sons swear that he would be buried in Hebron. Faith always has a foothold in the future. Joseph hasn't lived in Canaan for 93 years, but the Lord has opened his eyes to the bigger picture. He trusts in the Lord's prophecy to Abraham in chapter 15, that the Israelites would be enslaved for 400 years, would be rescued by God and brought back to Canaan. Joseph accepts that the sovereign God has allowed him to go through tremendous suffering in order to bring about the saving of all God's people. This is why he is able to offer total forgiveness to his brothers. By their terror and concocted instructions, they show they've lived the last 17 years in fear because they didn't trust in that forgiveness, despite the many tangible proofs that Joseph has given them. No wonder he weeps. As he dies, Joseph prophesies. And it is this moment, out of all the many possible examples of Joseph's faith, that the writer to the Hebrew selects as its greatest demonstration. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. Joseph knew what he believed and where he belonged, so he didn't want his coffin to remain in Egypt after the exodus. He was sufficiently sure of what God had promised to act upon it, insisting that his brothers solemnly swear to take his remains out of Egypt. A coffin in Egypt appears to be a discouraging way to end Genesis, but from the viewpoint of faith, it couldn't be more encouraging. Even though Joseph had died, his witness was still ongoing. He instructed that his sarcophagus remain with his and his brother's descendants in Egypt as a prophetic declaration to remind them that one day they would be rescued from slavery and re-enter the promised land. He understood that he could serve the Hebrew nation best by his coffin remaining in Egypt and letting his bones proclaim that God had not yet finished with his people. As Phil Moore writes, for 360 years between his death and the Exodus and the 40 years under the baking sun in the wilderness, Joseph's mummified remains serve as the greatest symbol of faith and hope that they would enter the promised land. As we know, Joseph's faith was not disappointed. God did come to their aid, and Moses himself took those bones out of Egypt, and Joshua buried them in Shechem. 
both Jacob's burial and Joseph's coffin, point forward to the fulfilment of God's promise that Canaan was home. We too are called to look back to the cross and forward to the home that is being prepared for us. For our great hope is not a coffin in Egypt that speaks of death, but the empty tomb in Jerusalem that speaks of eternal life. May we too live and act by faith in the promises of God until that glorious day. Amen.